Good morning. My name is Sarah Morant with Alberta Health, and I'll be your moderator for this morning's telephone town hall about refocusing healthcare in Alberta. This morning, I am joined by Adriana Lagrange, Alberta's Minister of Health, the Deputy Minister of Alberta Health, Andre Tremblay, the Deputy Minister of Mental Health and Addiction, Evan Romano, the Alberta Health Services Board Chair, Dr. Lyle Oberg, and the President and CEO of Alberta Health Services, Athana Mentalopoulos. Before we hear from Minister Lagrange, let me start by explaining how this town hall will work. Right now, healthcare professionals across Alberta are connecting to this call, and soon you will have a chance to join the conversation. You can get in line to ask a question or share your feedback by pressing star three on your phone. And for those of you listening online, you can enter your question directly into the portal anytime, including right now. We hope to use this time to continue the conversation by listening to your ideas, your suggestions, as well as answering any questions you may have. I would now like to welcome Minister of Health, Adriana Lagrange, to share some opening remarks. Great, thank you so much, Sarah. Good morning, everyone. Thank you for taking the time to join us today to talk about the health refocusing, um, all that we're doing in this area. So the goal is to understand what is working in the current healthcare system and where you are running into challenges. Your feedback during these sessions will be vital, <clears throat> pardon me, in shaping the way forward towards a healthcare system that better supports workers and provides the best quality care to Albertans in every corner of the province. So today I'm joined by my Deputy Minister of Health, Andre Tremblay, and the Deputy Minister of Mental Health and Addictions, Evan Romano, the new Chair of the Board of the Alberta Health Services, um, Dr. Lyle Oberg, uh, he's also here to help answer questions, as is the new AHS President and CEO, Athana Mitzvahopoulos. For those of you joining us um, today, uh, to better understand what the changes are and what they mean for you, let me give you just a short recap. For too long, we have watched our healthcare workers buckle under the strains and stresses of an inefficient healthcare system. Not only has it been failing too many Albertans, but it also has been failing you, the people who do the work and care for us in our most vulnerable times. Right now, we can see the strain of the respiratory virus season that we know occurs every year. So what we are doing is we are refocusing the system and creating a fully integrated structure that revolves around four priority areas, primary care, acute care, continuing care, and mental health and addiction. This change is largely at the governance level and will not affect most healthcare workers' day-to-day -day work. I want to be clear, for the majority of frontline healthcare workers, you will continue to do your job, and in fact, most of you will continue to work for AHS. We are not anticipating any job losses for frontline healthcare workers in Alberta and are actually forging ahead with the recruitment of more doctors, more nurses, more paramedics, and other healthcare professionals where we need them. However, the refocusing will have a positive effect on your overall career outlook in that there will be dedicated leadership who will now be able to focus on their particular sector and the healthcare workers within it. We want you to feel better supported, better heard, and better able to do your important work without system obstacles. But we do not want to move forward without your input. For too long, decisions have been made without hearing from the very people it will affect the most. This changes now. We want to know what's working now and what needs to change. 
And who better to tell us this than the people who live it every single day? After all, a majority, uh, after all, sorry, <clears throat> a major reason for this change was that we need to start prioritizing the overall well-being of healthcare workers. Starting with making your jobs easier by cutting out the daily frustrations of hurdles, layers of approvals, and decisions that don't make sense for your area. We know all of this gets in the way of caring for Albertans and can lead <clears throat> to job dissatisfaction, stress, and burnout. And ironically, a healthcare system that is itself unhealthy. We need your help to strengthen our healthcare system and bring it back to vitality. By joining us today, you are already helping us by being willing to engage with us. We are planning many engagement opportunities. So if um, today um, you have to jump off early or, or if you know others that wanted to participate and couldn't, um, there will be many, many opportunities in the weeks and months ahead. So starting in January, we will be hosting in-person engagement sessions. There's a form uh, that is up on alberta.ca slash shape the way. Again, alberta.ca slash shape the way, where you can tell us where, where you want to have these in-person sessions to be held. And of course, we can't be everywhere, so we really want to hear from you uh, where would be most convenient for you. This form will be available to you to make your suggestions until December 19th. We will have more details on further engagement sessions coming in January, which will include dedicated Indigenous engagement and an online platform to engage with us directly. There are also various channels through which you can reach us at telephone town halls like today's, the upcoming in-person sessions, and through our dedicated website at alberta.ca slash healthcare. I want to thank everyone here on this call today and all of those who have participated so far. Uh, so far, we've actually had uh, five telephone town halls with more than 8,300 participants. Uh, the feedback you provide will lead us down the right path towards building a stronger healthcare system for Albertans today and for future generations. So again, thank you for joining us, and I really look forward to your questions and starting this road to a better healthcare system for everyone. And I'll turn it back to you, Sarah. Thanks so much, Minister LaGrange, for your opening remarks. And for those of you who may have just connected, welcome to this morning's Telephone Town Hall about refocusing healthcare in Alberta. I am joined this morning by Minister of Health Adriana LaGrange, by the Deputy Minister of Alberta Health Andre Tremblay, the Deputy Minister of Mental Health and Addiction Evan Romano, the Alberta Health Services Board Chair Dr. Lyle Oberg, and the President and CEO of Alberta Health Services Asana Mensalopoulos. If you would like to join the conversation right now or at any time during this town hall, you can do so by pressing star three and you will be entered into the queue. And for those of you listening online, you can enter your question or feedback directly into the online portal right now. I would now like to move to our very first question of this morning. This comes from Tammy who's listening online and Tammy says, who or what will be preventing the organizations from operating like silos? Great question, Tammy. And uh, what we have in place is an integration council. So the integration council will be made up of the executive directors of each of those organizations, uh, senior leadership, and uh, all of the um, uh, ADM or DMs, I should say, deputy ministers of um, health, uh, mental health and addictions, as well as, um, as uh, seniors in community and social services, as well as myself. 
as the minister. And so there's going to be a concerted effort to make sure that there aren't silos. Uh, one of my biggest frustrations, uh, I was a former school board trustee and, and minister, of, as you know, minister of education for four years, is the need to put um, the person at the center of the decision making. And we didn't have authentic wraparound services. So here in, in health, we have the opportunity as we build these structures out, uh, these four priority areas, that we can make sure that we build the structures so that there is that authentic wraparound services where we put the patient at the center of the decision making and make sure that the journey for the patient is seamless. But behind the scenes, we have the structures in place that are communicating and uh, integrating uh, IT systems and, and all of the things that need to happen so that it can be a seamless journey. And at the end of the day, the Integration Council will ensure that this is actually happening and that all of these organizations are talking to each other. Uh, Lyle, would there be anything you'd like to, Dr. Oberg, would there be anything you'd like to add to that? Yeah, I, I would just add that um, I think the Integration Council is going to be an essential component. Um, we have to get that integration because, quite frankly, patients that come in, in with an acute illness could also have a mental health illness that could be involved in continuing care. Um, and obviously the primary care physician is paramount. So that's going to be one of the, the key issues that we deal with. And uh, we've got some very good people that are looking at it and uh, we'll certainly be moving in that direction. Thanks, Dr. Oberg. The next question comes from Isabella, who's listening online this morning. And Isabella says, how will the refocus changes impact recruitment in rural areas? Minister? Thank you. Well, we do have a health workforce strategy that we're currently working through um, that's going to be ongoing, and it does have a special focus on rural remote locations. Uh, we do see uh, challenges in those areas, and that's, that's not a new problem. That's been a, a longstanding problem for a long time, and so we need to uh, look at every opportunity to incentivize and to make sure that we have the proper workforce within our rural and remote communities. Uh, too many times we are seeing right now that our hospitals are closing in our rural remote communities or they don't have access to uh, EMS on an ongoing basis when they should. So we need to change that. Um, so there is a concerted effort on this. How the refocusing will do that is that um, we're going to put accountability measures in place uh, that have to be adhered to. We will make sure that uh, the workforce is... Um, that we have a strategic plan for the whole province for the workforce. And through these uh, concentrated, uh, focused areas of acute care, primary care, mental health and addictions, and um, uh, continuing care, that the leadership of those areas are making sure that uh, the workforce is appropriate right across the province, that it's equitably uh, displaced across the province. So uh, there's many strategies that we have in place, and we're going to continue to work and improve upon those strategies. Uh, Dr. Ober? Yeah, I, I would just add, I, I had a conversation with the two deans of medicine uh, last week, and they've got some very interesting thoughts about it. They're looking at setting up um, schools of medicine in both Lethbridge and Grand Prairie, which is really exciting because the experience of the other provinces are that when there is a rural medical school, that up to 70% of those physicians actually stay in rural in the rural communities. 
So I think that this is a huge step forward, and I think hopefully it will help us with the physician recruitment there because people will understand what it's like to be in rural medicine. Thanks, Dr. Oberg. Keeping the conversation going, I would like to welcome Corey, who's listening live this morning in Calgary. Corey, you can go ahead. Your line is now open. Hi, this question, uh, can you guys hear me okay? Um, we my, can, go ahead. Awesome, thanks. My question is about acute care support. Um, I'm just curious what the plan is in acute care uh, to create more acute care beds. Um, I just, the current state, we are caring for patients in non-conventional spaces, which ca um, causes moral distress in our staff, which just doesn't feel safe um, in our workplaces. Um, and especially around some of our surgical, um, specialty surgical beds, we're asked to do more and more and more with less. Um, neurosurgical beds, uh, pediatric beds, um, kind of what is your plan to make sure that we have enough acute care beds to support um, this process moving forward? Great question, Corey. And, and I know, uh, given the, the current circumstances, as I said earlier, with the respiratory virus season, that um, there's a strain on, on the current ICU bed capacity, uh, which obviously then <clears throat> there's a strain on all the other beds as well. Um, we are going to continue to build infrastructure across the province where, um, where it's needed. Uh, we do need to have a more a uh, comprehensive strategic capital infrastructure plan. Um, I have uh, seen significant gaps in the current plan as it currently exists. Um, and, and in fact, there are certain zones and locations that don't have um, a plan at all. And so we need to address that. Uh, that is something that my department is going to be working on and has already started to work on. So yes, there is a need. Uh, we need to understand exactly where that need is, and then we have to have a strategic plan on how to build that out. And we know that oftentimes infrastructure takes a long time, so we also have to have um, short-term goals and, and short-term uh, ways of alleviating stress and strain within the capacity uh, across the province. And then we also have to look at how we can make sure that our workforce is uh, built up and supported. We do have some strategies that we can put in place um, and have put in place in terms of surge capacity right now, but we have to find something that is more of a long-term solution. So I'll turn it over to Dr. Oberg. Yeah, I, I would just say that there is an overall recognition that we do need uh, more beds in the system right now. Um, when I, since I've been here for roughly a month, uh, looking at the capital needs has certainly been one of my priorities. And we're looking at how we can get bids. And as the minister said, there's a short-term need, there's a medium-term term need, and there's a longer-term need. So we're attempting to put those forward. But as she said also, unfortunately, hospitals don't build themselves, and they do take some time. But uh, we can certainly promise that we're looking at it and we'll have uh, significant plans coming forward on how to increase the capacity. And, and that's probably the key word is capacity uh, in the Alberta healthcare system. Thanks very much, Dr. Oberg. Continuing the conversation, the next question comes from John, who's listening online. And John says, Quebec just recently moved to an integrated health system under one organization, as are other provinces. What makes our model better? Thank you. Uh, well, uh, great question. And uh, John, the, the reason our model is better is that uh, we started long ago. We were one of the first uh, in the country, if not uh, more globally, to go to a one regional health authority. 
that has a um, a single geographic area, um, integrated IT, et cetera. And we want to, through this refocus, keep what is best of that uh, single regional health uh, geographic authority, but also improve upon it. Uh, I know in, uh, because I recently I was in um, uh, PEI with all of the ministers of health and had an opportunity to talk with Minister Dubay, who's the Minister of Quebec. And in fact, what they are going to do is very similar to um, what we're doing in terms of going to, they're going to go to a regional health authority, like a one health system, but it is going to be, um, his explanation to me anyways, is that it actually will be government controlled. Um, his ministry will control it as my understanding is. But anyways, that, that aside, um, I will be speaking with Minister Dubay in the next few days because he wants to learn from us uh, what has worked well, what has not worked well, and what they, in fact, can make sure um, to, to do that to improve their system as they're building it out. They're only partway through the, um, the process. In fact, they have over 2,000 statutes that they have to go through. And when I spoke to him in October, um, they were only partway through about 400-ish or so of the statute. So they've got a long way to go before they're fully uh, into a new system. Um, what makes ours better is the fact that uh, we have given thought to what needs to be focused on. I believe uh, because of the fact that we've given concentration to mental health and addictions over the last uh, couple of years where there's an actual Minister of Mental Health and Addictions that is focused on making improvements, improvements right across the province. That has been uh, seen as a, a very positive move forward. Uh, we also um, have the opportunity because of the modernizing Alberta's primary care system, the MAPS engagement that we did with all of the recommendations to start the process. And one of the recommendations of MAPS was to put an organization in place that would oversee primary care, um, making it the foundation of healthcare, uh, coming from uh, an attitude of wellness, keeping people out of hospital, keeping people well, so that they can you know, participate fully in their lives. Um, and also uh, we have uh, put new regulations in place, uh, new legislation in place last spring for continuing care. And we're in the process of developing the regulations, so it's an opportune time to make sure that uh, continuing care has the focus it needs as we have an aging population and we anticipate the, the percentage of uh, people in Alberta um, to go from uh, just to over 20% uh, in the seniors category to over 24% in a very few uh, short years here. So. There's opportunities. Um, I think there's always opportunities to look from uh, look at other um, provinces and other countries as to what our best practices and how we can strengthen our system. I know Quebec is looking to us, and I know that we're looking outwards to other provinces and countries to make sure that we have the best practices in our province. Dr. Oberg, anything you would share? Um, no, I, I, I think you've covered it uh, very nicely. Thank you. Thanks so much, Minister, and thanks so much, Dr. Oberg. The very next question is going to be from Rachel, who's listening live with us this morning. Rachel, you can go ahead. Your line is now open. Uh, good morning. This is Rachel in Calgary. So I'm voicing concern and questioning around all of the languaging that is being used for the new addiction and mental health areas. I've worked in a mental addictions and mental health for over 20 years. 
and everything that was used on the last town hall was described as mental health problems and recovery-oriented languaging. I challenged that in terms of we would not ask people with a chronic medical condition such as type 1 diabetes how to be recovery-oriented. How do you expect to do that when people are living with schizophrenia and other long-term lasting mental health diagnoses that are not mental health problems, they are diagnoses? Thanks, Rachel. I'm going to go ahead and ask Deputy Minister Evan Romano to please go ahead. Hi, Rachel, and, and thanks for the comments and, and questions on that side. I, I think you're entirely right, uh, and, and very much the approach that government is taking to support recovery orientation, I, I think that means is absolutely dealing with the issues that individuals have a diagnosis for. They are chronic conditions, and just like diabetes, the example you provided, that's precisely the type of approach that health and social supports need to rally around the individual to provide. I think it's really important to reinforce a recovery-oriented system does not just jump into, you know, uh, perception that it's abstinence in an addiction space. It's not that at all. In fact, it's very much about access to a whole continuum of services. That very much includes uh, intervention, prevention, uh, a treatment and, and certainly recovery services to stabilize individuals, to offer those supports to deal with chronic diseases and chronic conditions, but very much saying that uh, it's not just about meeting people where they're at and keeping in a, a stable, temporary state. How do you actually build the supports, including social supports around individuals so that they are able to, to live a life that's free from the addiction-related uh, uh, conditions and disease that they are, are facing, a very deadly disease of addiction, but in the, the mental health space as well, so that they have the supports uh, and access to, again, social and, and medical interventions to be able to provide that stabilization. So I, I think there's very much alignment with what you're saying, and that's the whole objective to very much focus with mental health and, and addiction, just like other chronic diseases. Thanks so much, Deputy Minister Romano. The next question this morning is from John, who's listening online. And John says, how does your plan improve healthcare for patients? Hi, John. Um, the healthcare right now, like we, we know that there's roughly about six to 700,000 uh, people in Alberta right now who do not have a, a primary healthcare provider. So first and foremost, we have to tackle that that piece where uh, we, through the modernizing Alberta's primary care <clears throat> system, we have, um, we're looking at strategies to make sure that every Albertan has access to a primary care provider. And that could be um, a physician, it could be a nurse practitioner, um, it could be, um, you know, a um, a pharmacy-led clinic, et cetera. But really what we're looking at is team-based care so that, um you as a patient would have access to the right level of care at the right time, uh, where and when you need it by the right provider. Um, because at different times in your life, you're going to need different types of care. So really what we're looking to do is make sure that there's a seamless journey for patients, whether they're entering uh, primary care or if um, at a different stage in your life, you need to go into acute care, you have to go to the hospital, uh, for some reason or some surgery, and then you come back to primary care, or if you're at a later stage and you go into the continuing care system, 
or perhaps you, you need some mental health or addiction uh, support. That journey should be seamless. The uh, information should be able to be shared regardless of who your provider is um, so that they have access to that information so they can make the best decisions with you. Uh, for you as a patient. So we're, what we're really looking to do is put the focus back on the patient, getting quality care in a timely fashion where and when they need it by the right professional. That is what uh, we are striving for. Um, Dr. Ober? Yeah, thank you. And, and thanks for the question. Um, one of the issues in dealing um, from a healthcare management point of view is Sometimes we just have to refocus that the reason we're all there is for the patient. And the patient is the number one reason we are doing this, is to provide better care, as the minister had said, seamless care to the patients. And, you know, when times get tough, we just have to kind of sit back and say, listen, we're there for the patient, and that's the reason we're doing this. Our decisions are there to make better patient care. So... Thank you very much for that question, because often it's too easy to just think about the healthcare professionals. We really have to think about the patients. Thanks so much, Dr. Oberg. The next question this morning is from Gil, who's listening online and says, the minister talked about flu season. How will EMS pressures be managed going forward? Thank you, Gil. Um, so, uh, yes, uh, with the... Uh, increased um, uh, flu season, um, and, and you're right, it is more flu than anything else that uh, is, seems to be on the rise at this point in time, the respiratory virus season, uh, that uh, there is a pressures on every aspect of the system, including EMS. And so um, we had seen some gains when there was, uh, there was a strategy in place to, um, to improve EMS. We've, we've seen some... Um, definite improvements, but we've also seen a, a little bit of slippage in the last couple of months, and, and we need to address that. So AHS has been given a directive to see, uh, to, to really look at all of EMS. Uh, we've actually added um, an, an advisory group that didn't exist earlier. So there's numerous strategies that we are using. And at, at this point in time, I think I'll pass it over to Dr. Oberg and to Athana. Uh, to comment on this because they are dealing with this in real time. Thank you. Yeah, thank you, Minister. One of the issues with EMS is you can't isolate out EMS by itself. Um, it all leads back to the number of patients that are in hospital, the patient beds that are being utilized in hospital. And for the information of the, of the listeners, we have roughly 500 people in hospitals around the province that are waiting for long-term care. So we have mobilized some long-term care beds, um, which will hopefully take some of these patients out ASAP. That, in turn, will free up beds so that people that are being admitted in emergency will then uh, have a, a faster approach into the hospital. That will, in turn, lead to EMS, to, to having more space in the emergency departments, which will in turn lead to EMS having the ability to hand off their patient to the nurses much quicker. And so you have to look at the whole system uh, from the top to the bottom because the EMS are the, the critical point in it. So we're doing all of that right now. We've mobilized more physicians. We've funded more physicians to come into emergency. We've funded more nurses. So during this uh, respiratory season, 
Um, the surge has certainly been an issue, and we're we're coping as well as we can. I, I just want to say as well, Minister, I just want to give a huge uh, uh, support and, and kudos to all the healthcare workers out there who are working extremely hard um, during this this rough time. And, and I, I just want to say I personally really appreciate it. And from Alberta Health Services, we really appreciate it. Thank you, Minister. The only thing I would add is that I had the privilege of being provisional lead for EMS for much of the last year. And it is an amazing group of men and women who work very hard, very focused on performance. And to the extent that we have that hospital flow working, they're able to get back out into the community and be ready to respond. And we'll be working hard to make sure that they can do that. Thanks very much. The next question comes from Colby, who's listening online this morning. And Colby says, how will allied health professionals who don't work for AHS be consulted? Hi, Colby. Um, so just as you're talking to us right now, um, you will be invited to um, all of the um, future town halls, in-person town halls um, that we're going to be having, as well as uh, the online format that is available that if you want to put in a submission, um, you will be able to go to alberta.ca slash healthcare and um, go to the refocusing page and there will be opportunities for you to engage there. Uh, these, um, um, these consultations are not just for AHS employees, they're for everyone within the healthcare system, um, far and wide. And also when we have our in-person um, uh, consultations, uh, there will be opportunities for everyday Albertans to come and share their stories and their personal journeys because we have to learn from the personal journeys of every uh, patient who's been out there or family member who's had uh, an interaction with the healthcare system. We have to learn from everyone. We bring our shared wisdom uh, to the table so that we can make things better. So it, it, we want to hear from everyone. So please take advantage of all of these opportunities that are ahead of you. Thanks very much, Minister. The next question is submitted from Sarah, who's listening online, and she says, can you explain where public health will fit into this new structure? Thank you. And, and public health is so very important. It is foundational to healthcare in Alberta. It will continue uh, for the foreseeable future as it's currently structured. Um, we will move forward. We are looking at how public health functions fit best within the new structure. So there's going to be some time taken to make sure that we get it right. We don't want uh, anything or anyone to slip through the cracks. So we are going to be very, very careful with public health. Uh, they're very important functions. We're just going to do what we need to do to make sure that we get it uh, um, in the right location at the right time. So for the foreseeable future, it's going to stay where it is. And we're going to um, make sure that it is uh, robust as it is now, and actually maybe even improve upon it further. Dr. Ober? Yeah, I, I would just add that um, the, the public health system or the, or the public health component of the healthcare system is critically important. It's a preventative side, it's a safety side, and uh, the system will not function if there isn't food safety, is, if there isn't safety elsewhere. So critically important, and uh, I, I would just try and allay the fears of anyone who thinks that we're going to be decreasing the public health component. The answer is absolutely not. 
Um, if anything, it will be strengthened because it's so important. Thanks again, Dr. Oberg. Keeping the conversation going, I would like to welcome Jason, who's listening live this morning. Jason, you can go ahead. Your line is now open. Oh, good morning. Thanks for having me. Um, I was just wondering if you know uh, how and where AHS Home Care will fit into your new structuring and plan changes. Um, home Care, like many other departments in AHS, deals with um, acutely ill patients, addictions, mental health, continuing care. Just kind of wondering how how home care fits into this into these new structure. Thank you, Jason. Um, continuing care um, is really where I see home care fitting in. Um, right now, um, home care uh, to help um, people to age in place and to really support those that need needs uh, those supports makes sense to keep it within the continuing care organization. Um, even though AHS oversees roughly about 25% of continuing care, uh, they currently have all of the contracts, but uh, including home care. And in the future, I foresee home care under the continuing care organization. And hopefully that answers your question. I would also add, um, that home care is critically important and will be one of the issues on the integration council because people leaving the hospital, for example, post-surgery, post-malady, will need home care. So there needs to be a lot of integration and coordination between continuing care and the acute hospital side in order to keep that patient flow moving. So uh, again, home care is critically important and I see that role actually expanding out you know, as we get a better support system at home. Thanks, Dr. Oberg. Keeping the conversation going, the next question comes from Meg, who's listening online this morning. And Meg says, I'm an LPN. I have heard the minister talk about protecting the front line. I also heard there may be layoffs. Will I still have a job once this work is complete? Meg, you will absolutely have a job. There are no layoffs anticipated whatsoever. And in fact, We've hired 3,900 more nurses in the last year alone. Uh, beyond that, um, we have uh, roughly about 180,000 people that have come to Alberta in the last year. We're going to need more doctors, more nurses, uh, more LPNs, more allied health care professionals, and we're actively recruiting right now. What you may be referring to is that um, uh, because uh, as of December 2nd, unions had the ability to notify us about starting contract negotiations. There was a letter that was sent out um, and by um, legal advice that was given to me uh, because of there's a freeze period, et cetera, it gets pretty into the weeds here on contract negotiations. I had to provide a letter to say there may be changes because we are doing a refocusing. But that being said, right now uh, we are looking to hire and you will absolutely have a job if you want a job there's a job here for you. Thanks, Minister. The next question is from Debbie, uh, who's listening online with us this morning. And Debbie says, what, if any, organizations will take over for services such as residential addiction treatment centers that are currently run by Alberta Health Services? So I would like to welcome Deputy Minister of Mental Health and Addiction, Evan Romano, to please go ahead. Hi, good morning. Thanks for the question, Debbie. Uh, so absolutely, I, I think there's a strong intention and we've been very clear 
the new provincial mental health and addiction organization will be responsible for the delivery of services currently provided by Alberta Health Services. And that, again, spans a whole continuum of care that includes uh, residential uh, and facility-based treatment uh, that's delivered by Alberta Health Services. I, I think absolutely it's important to reinforce there's a whole additional suite of, of supports being expanded uh, with 11 new uh, treatment centres across the province, five of which are actually going to be delivered on reserve or, or with Métis partners. And, uh, and those are going to be operated uh, in partnership and, and through First Nations and Métis communities themselves. So there's absolutely an expanded uh, suite of services that will be offered in community and, and with community partners. But no, there's absolutely the, the continuity with, with services that is part of this plan uh, and AHS uh, continuing to do a, a lot of the service delivery functions exactly as they're currently being provided. Thanks very much, Deputy Romano. The next question is going to come from Tara, who's listening live on the phone this morning. Tara, you can go ahead. Your line is now open. Looks like we are having a technical difficulty obtaining Tara. So I'm going to go ahead and read the question that she did ask us to address this morning. And it says, does Minister plan to keep Connect Care? We have spent millions on this. Thanks, Tara. It's a great question. And in fact, we spent over a billion dollars on, on Connect Care, uh, just so everyone's aware. Um, there are, um, you know, there's certainly uh, been some, some advantages uh, to having Connect Care. Um, having the one single IT system, but we also know that out uh, it doesn't integrate very well or hasn't had the ability yet to integrate with primary care very well. And we need to make sure that the 1,300 um, IT systems that are out there are able to speak to each other. So um, not only are we looking to um, make sure that Connect Care is, is fully implemented and we're utilizing all the best uh, pieces of it, we also have to find a way to make sure that um, primary care and, uh, and continuing care and mental health and addictions all have access to that same information. So consolidating it. But I'm going to turn it over to my deputy minister to add further details. Thanks, Minister. <clears throat> and uh, Connect Care is uh, a first-class clinical information system. It's a it's a leading system in Canada. There has been significant investment in Connect Care. AHS has led much of that development, and, and other jurisdictions uh, look upon that system as a template. And, and I think we need to acknowledge all the hard work and investment that's been made into Connect Care. But there are limitations, and, and it isn't interoperable with all elements of the healthcare system, and we know that's a challenge. And as Minister mentioned, there are many, many clinical systems that are in use across the healthcare system in Alberta, and that has created some fragmentation and some disruption in frontline care for patients. So what's being contemplated in this refocusing is a consolidation of IT governance uh, within Alberta. So uh, IT system decisions and investment and deployment are uh, managed as a, as a single enterprise. Right now, it's, it's across multiple organizations. And so over the next year, that consolidation will start to occur. We're definitely not abandoning Connect Care. Connect Care will continue to be a focal point of how we manage our healthcare responsibilities in the province. 
But what this governance consolidation will do will allow us to make Connect Care and the functionality within it more broadly available across all modes of care. Yeah, excuse me. Thank you, Andre. Um, ConnectCare is probably the most advanced uh, medical record in North America right now. And we are currently uh, fin just finished the seventh rollout. There will be two more rollouts over the next year, one in May and one in the fall of this year to other providers within the healthcare system. Um, the interesting part is that the optimization of this system is something that is alive and well. And I would certainly encourage people to put forward their ideas on how to optimize the system. No system is perfect. And we want to hear from the frontline workers uh, the best way to potentially make it easier. I've heard from a lot of healthcare workers that uh, the bureaucracy, it's overly bureaucratic, there's overly administrative, and it takes a lot of time. And we want to change that. And so we want to hear uh, from anyone out there who has the good ideas on how to optimize it, because we're going to be pushing into a full optimization over the next year as well. Thanks, Dr. Oberg. The next question is submitted from Christian, who's listening online. And Christian says, when will the transition to the new organizations begin? And who will be involved? Thank you, Christian, for the question. Um, the transition to the new organizations has already started in the sense that we are, we're doing the groundwork. We have to do the behind the scenes work to set up the organizations to ensure that we have the proper legislation in place. Uh, we anticipate the legislation coming forward in the spring. Uh, we are looking to set up the continuing care organization and the mental health and addictions organization for spring of 2024. And then the primary care and the continuing care, or sorry, acute care organizations will be set up for the fall of 2024. There's a lot of the behind the scenes work that has to go on and that's taking place right now. And um, beyond that, uh, who is going to transition? Uh, that is to be determined as we do the work that needs to be required to um, identify the workforce, where they are, what they're doing, um, and, and make sure that uh, we, we do this right. So again, more, more information to come, but uh, continuing care and mental health and addictions organizations uh, will be set up for the spring of 2024. Thanks, Minister LaGrange. The next question is from Amber, who's listening online this morning. And Amber says, what is going to happen with the finance, HR, and other corporate services that are being provided by AHS? Great question. And uh, we are going to, again, as we, um, as we look at um, moving to the new model, make sure that uh, the services are being provided by the right um, organization at the right time. Uh, currently, what we're doing with Alberta Health Services is doing um, a deep dive into the financials to understand um, the, the finances of AHS, as well as the workforce. We're looking at the workforce, as well as what programming that they're offering um, and what the contracts are. There's a lot of details to go through and we are we are doing that intensive work right now uh, but uh, more to share on that as um, as I have uh, the information back from the in-depth work that is progressing. Dr. Oberg anything you'd like to add? Yeah I would just say simply um, that we're going to do what makes sense 
And uh, I think that's the key to it. Uh, we don't want to um, put more money into bureaucratic or administrative costs. Uh, we want to do what's right and what makes sense. And that's kind of the over overarching principle of what, what we will be doing on the shared services. Thanks, Dr. Oberg. The next question comes from Stephanie, and I will read this one aloud. Stephanie says, what are the upstream plans for addictions and mental health? I've only heard the downstream plans so far. So I'll ask Deputy Minister of Mental Health and Addictions, Evan Romano, to please go ahead. Thanks for the question, Stephanie. I think absolutely what you're pointing to is one of the key drivers behind a lot of this refocusing work. And I think very importantly, the connections with other ministries like seniors and community and social services, there's a really strong recognition, I would say in particular in the mental health and addiction space, to look at the broader social determinants of health factors that go into many of the issues that present in acute ways, and then the system is forced to respond in acute uh, interventions rather than focusing more uh, on prevention, more of those upstream uh, and underlying uh, factors. Uh, so, so much work is going uh, across the system, for example, on the child and youth side, connecting with mental health supports right in schools, well before somebody needs to go into an acute care facility or, or access uh, you know, more significant resources. How do we have those embedded supports right in schools uh, it, on the addiction side, dealing with brand new recovery communities where individuals can stay up to a year at a long-term uh, treatment center, again, to rebuild some of the, the factors uh, around themselves, the community within which they live all across the province to, again, rebuild some of the, the strengths uh, in individuals and their communities, family relationships, again, to deal in a more preventative way so it's not just a reoccurring cycle where there's a need for that acute intervention. So there is a lot that's, that's underway, uh, and you're absolutely right. That's where the focus, working with other ministries like education, seniors, community, and social services, and so many other programs, we need to respond to what presents as health issues, uh, looking at a more comprehensive needs of an individual. Thanks so much, Deputy Minister Romano. The next question is from Brady, who's listening online. And Brady says, how will the organizations be held accountable? Thank you, Brady, for the question. And it is an important one because if you do not um, have measures in place and standards in place that uh, you can uh, point to as well as make sure that you are uh, aligning the work to, then, then how can you hold organizations accountable? So what we have in place right now is a Health Quality Council of Alberta that um, really provides us a lot of the data that we need. We want to make that organization more robust so that they are, in fact, helping us uh, set those standards and um, monitor the quality uh, of the services that we're providing. And we also want it to be very transparent. So I think there's many opportunities as we set up these organizations uh, to hold uh, them to account. First of all, to put the standards in place and, um, and the quality indicators and the outcomes that we want to see, and then also uh, hold them accountable for um, meeting those. And if they don't meet those, um, setting, um, setting um, some um, areas that, you know, how, how we're going to address when they're not being met, whether that is, um, you know, uh, 
I, I think there's many opportunities and strategies, and I don't want to speculate on what they could be, but I think setting it up early so that we know what, um, what we're going for is, is key. Dr. Oberg, or perhaps even Athana as well? Yeah, I, I would just add to that that there are a lot of um, health indicators that we need to put in place, and ultimately we have to hold the system accountable for uh, improving the health indicators, whether they're population health on the macro side or whether you get down into the micro side and things such as EMS waiting times. And we have to put those, those measurements in place so we can le legitimately say, A, we're doing a good job, or B, we can improve. So it's a critical element of any healthcare system is the accountability and uh, making sure the accountability is in the right place. And uh, that's what we're working towards. Thanks, Dr. Oberg. The next question this morning is from Ali listening online. And Ali says, community voices have sometimes been lost in healthcare. How will communities be engaged in this new system? Hi, Ali. Uh, we plan to have the uh, regional uh, advisory councils, the regional health advisory councils. We're standing up actually uh, 13 new regional advisory councils that will be made up of the community members from across uh, their region, and um, these advisory councils will span the whole province. Uh, they will provide information uh, not just to the organizations, the four organizations, but also directly to myself as the minister. I'll be engaging with them, but we will also have opportunities for ongoing communication. <clears throat> that is something that uh, is critical, that we continue to hear the voices, the lived experiences of everyday Albertans, as well as uh, family members, uh, you know, the one thing that I've heard most often in my role, my new role is the Minister of Health uh, that I took uh, office on June 9th, from June 9th onwards, um, I have heard constantly from, from everyday Albertans or a parent or a grandparent or someone, a family member of, of how our system has failed individuals. I've also heard of some successes and so we need to celebrate the successes and learn from those and uh, make sure that we continue to have best practices. But where we're failing, where there are struggles and challenges, we need to address those and we need to make sure that we are hearing what they are and developing strategies to, to, um, to really uh, overcome those, those challenges. Uh, so part of it will be the regional advisory councils, but we will look to other opportunities to make sure that we hear directly from everyday Albertans and community members. Thanks so much, Minister. And I'd like to continue the conversation by welcoming Adam, who's listening live this morning. Adam, you can go ahead. Your line is now open. Uh, good morning, Minister. Uh, I'm Adam, and I work with the Indigenous Wellness Corps with uh, AHS. And I'm just wondering, uh, Minister, as part of your consultation plan in uh, rolling out the uh, sweeping change to AHS, I'm wondering uh, if there's going to be direct consultation uh, with Indigenous communities uh, in the province of Alberta. Thank you. Sorry. Thank you, Adam. Um, yes. The, the quick answer is yes, but I, I will expand upon that. Uh, we had the most extensive engagement on primary care uh, through the modernizing uh, Alberta's primary care system, uh, having an Indigenous panel 
that uh, really focused on Indigenous issues right across the province. Uh, that was the first time it was done, and I, I've heard wonderful things uh, that it probably was the most extensive engagement that has ever occurred with Indigenous communities on primary care. So that was important. Um, but we need to also embed structures in place so that it's ongoing. Uh, for the first time ever in the Department of Health, we are standing up an Indigenous um, uh, division within my my department. Uh, we've just hired a new assistant deputy minister of um, of that department, and uh, I'm excited to, to see the work that she will be able to do with her team. Because when you you allocate staff, then you have the resources and the people that will pursue the strategies that need to be uh, happening. We also will have an Indigenous Advisory Council um, made up of members from across the province. Uh, that will continue to consult with us. But I meet on a regular basis with all of the First Nations chiefs and, and um, health authorities that uh, want to meet with me. And so, you know, I, I think as we move forward, we'll continue to develop that um, conversation, that relationship and that ability to hear um, each other and, and to work on this really critical. Because I know there's, there's certain areas uh, that we need to focus on that are unique to um, First Nations in terms of some of the health issues that they see and, and the reduced uh, lifespans, et cetera. And we have to tackle these together. But definitely it has to be a conversation where we, um, we work together on these issues. Dr. Oberg, anything new? No, I, I think that's really complete, thanks. Thanks so much. Uh, there is time for just a couple more questions. So moving on to Rob, who's listening online. And Rob says, there are severe issues in Edmonton with drug addiction and mental health. What is the government going to do to fix this? And so I'll ask my colleague, the Deputy Minister of Mental Health and Addiction, Evan Romano, to please go ahead. Hi, Rob. Thanks for the question. And absolutely the situation as it relates with drug addiction uh, and mental health uh, issues which are presenting in community. They are acute and, uh, and very challenging in Edmonton. They also are certainly in other parts of the province. And, and we do see on, on, I think, two levels. One, a lot of people are heading to major urban centres. We saw a lot of people with the wildfires moving around uh, different parts of the province where there are more supports and services. Uh, but for individuals that are here for whatever reason living in Edmonton or, or coming here because there are more services, there's a significant expansion with supports available. There are going to be, and in the process, including opening up this spring, four new addiction treatment centres in and around Edmonton. Uh, one just west of Edmonton in Gunn will have 100 beds coming online this spring. Is a huge new resource that will be able to support dealing with a lot of the underlying, certainly uh, addiction, but mental health-related challenges. But also uh, an additional one uh, with Enoch to be delivered on reserve. Uh, one out in the Alberta Hospital area where there's aging infrastructure and, and need to add more supports. And then uh, as well with Métis Nation of Alberta. So significant resources uh, for more treatment, but also immediately and already on the streets now. Over the last year, there's been an $8 million investment for more outreach teams. Teams uh, working on the streets, offering day-to-day -day supports. 
police and, and crisis teams with mental health therapists, uh, help teams which are working with police and social organizations, offering supports on a daily basis. And so there's a significant investment and much more capacity that's coming online in the months ahead. Well, thanks so much, Deputy Minister Romano. And seeing that time is almost uh, coming to a close, I would like to welcome uh, Dr. Lyle Oberg to just share a few closing comments with everyone this morning. Dr. Oberg? Yeah, well, thank you very much. And, and um, I, I would just like to say thank you to the Minister and the Department of Health for organizing these town halls. I think they're a wonderful way to hear what is going on. And that's what it's all about. Um, we're not in the front line every day. You guys are in the front line every day and we need to hear your stories. Uh, we need to hear what works, what doesn't work, what is happening out there. You know, it's a large system, uh, 130,000 employees, you know, over, you know, 16 major hospitals, numerous uh, components of it. And we really do need to hear uh, what is happening out there you know, the best way that we can. So congratulations, Minister. This has been a, a great forum, and I think that uh, people have had their chance for the input. Thank you, Dr. Oberg. And uh, I, I want to echo what Dr. Oberg said. Thank you to each and every one of you. Um, the work that you do is so critical. It's so important. We value you so much. And, uh, you know, there are no words to thank you enough. I, I um I, I hear you and I see you and we need to hear and see more of you. Um, so appreciate that you took the time to be on this call today. I hope you take the opportunity to come in person in, in uh, January and in the coming weeks and months as we do the in-person town halls. I hope you take um, the opportunity to go online uh, to uh, share your thoughts. Um, again, alberta.ca slash healthcare. Alberta.ca, shape the way, um, and, and just share with us, continue to share with us. Uh, we are working hard. Uh, you know, it's taken us a long time to get where we are, and we need to take that time to thoughtfully um, change the system for the better, uh, but know that that's what we're working towards each and every day. Um, we will um, certainly uh, appreciate any feedback that we can get from you, even if, if if it's on these uh, town halls, you know, if you think we could do this better, uh, please let us know that. Um, again, just a huge thank you. And uh, I wish each and every one of you a very Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, however you celebrate. So thank you again. Thank you so much, Minister LaGrange and Dr. Oberg, and to all of my colleagues for your participation today. Thank you to each and every one of you. And one final reminder, the website to stay involved over the coming weeks is alberta.ca slash healthcare. And specifically to find information about the engagement, it's alberta.ca slash shape the way. We can't do this without your voice, so we look forward to your continued dialogue. Thank you and have a great day.